0: Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. One might say that wine is the lifeblood of Charlie Barra, the founder of Barra of Mendocino Organic Wines. He's our guest on this edition of Radio Curious. He was born in 1928, close to his present winery, about five miles north of Ukiah in Mendocino County, California. Charlie Barra's parents were both immigrants from the Piedmont region of Italy and had a long history in the vineyards there and grew only organic grapes. Barra continues the organic policy now in his vineyards, growing only certified organic fruit. He says that for the past 67 years he never missed a harvest, claiming that payday comes once a year after the harvest is sold. Charlie Barra and I visited in the kitchen of his home in Ukiah, California, on November 1st, 2013, and began our conversation with stories of his early memories.
1: Well, I was born in Calpella through an immigrant family that came from Piedmont, Italy. They came over early, early 1900s and I was born in Calpella in 1926 in my grandfather's house. Most of our cousins, my cousins and brothers were all born at that house. They didn't take the kids, uh, the mothers to the hospital then. They just had their birth at home.
0: Was there something special about that house?
1: No. It's this just
0: grandma's house?
1: Just grandma's house. Mm-hmm. That's for all the... The people went to have their children. Mm-hmm. So you then grew up in the
0: Ukiah Valley.
1: I grew up in Ukiah Valley. Went to school in River Valley, grammar school in River Valley, and high school in Ukiah. And I didn't go on to college. I just kept
0: farming. I understand you have an interesting story about that fork in the road. You were encouraged to go to college, but something you learned something that... That caused you not to go to college?
1: Well, I grew up in a grape vineyard, you know, from the time we were young children. We grew up in a vineyard, so we were really well-educated in the art of growing grapes. Ten years old, I could prune or plant or graft or pick, so I felt real comfortable in a vineyard. I was getting to be 17, 18 years old, and so I read around quite a bit about the industry in Europe and I concluded that the industry had a lot of growth potential in the United States so uh, learning all of that and feeling comfortable in the vineyard, I just felt uh, like I would stay in the farming and I had a neighbor, mr. Penna, who had a vineyard right next to our vineyard small vineyard and uh, Wanted to lease me his property, his vineyard. When
0: you were a young man?
1: When I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school. And in high school I was a president of the student body. And I was captain of the basketball team. I was a senior and I was going to graduate. And so I tried to figure how I could work this neighbor's vineyard and still get my diploma. So I decided that I would go to the principal and try to work out a deal where I could go to school in the morning and get off at noon and still get my diploma. So I went in and told the principal I was quitting high school. I was going to have to quit and go to work. And uh, he asked me what I was going to do and I told him I was going to farm and he laughed He said, uh, which insulted me. I thought farming was a pretty good occupation. And and, uh, I decided uh, that I would pursue that. And he said, well, I'm not going to let you. I want to send you to to college, get you a scholarship and send you to college. So I said, well, I'm going to quit. And he said, no, you come back tomorrow morning, we'll talk about it. So the next morning I went in at 8 o'clock, and the vice principal, Mr. Chessel, was there. And he said, the professor says you're going to quit school. And I said, yeah, I'm going to start farming and be a farmer. He says, well, suppose we make a deal where you can go a half a day, go in the morning.
0: And that's what you were aiming for. And that's
1: what my goal was. And so I said, well, let me think about it. So that afternoon I went back and told him I thought it was a good idea. So I went to school in the morning and got out at noon. I farmed the vineyard in the afternoon. And I didn't have any capital. Our family, you know, they were farmers. They were poverty farmers, really. So the neighbor put up the money to run the vineyard, and I did the work, and we split the profit. And during that one year, I made three times what the principal
0: made. So I continued to farm. How did you know how much the principal made?
1: Well, I asked him what he was making. He's making $3,300 a year, and I made 10000 yeah. yeah.
0: That, that uh, was. And f-
1: that kept me going in the, in the industry. I bought two trucks and a tractor and then, uh, in a small vineyard, and I kept farming.
0: How old were you when you bought the two trucks and a tractor?
1: I was probably 19.
0: And what year was this? It was
1: 1944, 45.
0: So were you, you were too young to be drafted into World War II.
1: Yeah. Well, at the end of the war, they, they drafted me, but I had a... I don't know what the deal was. They didn't take me. And then when the Korean War they they did take me.
0: <laughs> Since the mid-40s, I know from having lived in the same town with you for not as long as you've been here, yeah. but for close to 40 years, you've expanded your vineyard work. What I'm interested in is what you learned in those initial years that allowed you to create the expansion of vineyards, leading toward your work as an organic winemaker.
1: Well, one of the things, I did a lot of reading about the European wine industry, and I developed a lot of confidence in the American wine industry in its ability to grow. I knew it had a lot of potential to grow, because it wasn't uh, very large at the time I got in, in 45 and 46. So I knew it had a lot of potential for growth. And during that time, I talked to Robert Mondavi, and I brought him up at the ranch. Uh, Louis Martini, brought him up. Brother Tim from Christian Brothers and the Winty family. And I had them all come up to visit me and tell them what I planned on doing. And they all recommended to me that I was doing the right thing. That I was planting the right varieties and growing the right varieties for a future market.
0: What are those varieties?
1: Well, Cabernet. See, most of the vineyards in the county were, were grapes that were grown for Vin Ordinaire, like Burgundy and Chablis, put in gallons and sold wineries for $30, $40 a ton. And what I was thinking of doing was going to... Uh, Cabernet Chardonnay and producing varietals so that uh, I would get more money for them and I thought the market would grow in that variety and they agreed with me that I was in the right area for a growth part of the wine industry and they were right.
0: Were your suggestions new to them or were they growing those They were varietals? doing
1: the same thing I was doing but on a smaller scale And they all had wineries, but there wasn't very many grapes being grown. Nobody was growing the grapes for them, so they thought it was a good idea if I would do it.
0: And they were a generation older than you?
1: Oh yes, they were one generation above me.
0: So, they were producing the wine from other people's grapes. And their own. And their own.
1: Mostly their own.
0: What was your transition into producing your own wine?
1: Well, that didn't happen until about 15, 20 years ago. When I started producing my own wine, I produced the grapes and then I sold the grapes to them. And they made the wine for themselves and they sold it. But during the uh, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, I produced, I sold grapes. At one time, I had 400 acres of vineyard.
0: Let's talk about that transition to produce your own wine.
1: That happened because the winery that we have now, the Ritterville Cellars, the, the Weibell family built that in 1970. The father of the family, Fred Weibell, passed away, and the children were having trouble financially. So it went up for an auction because they were bankrupt there. And so Bill Pauley and I bid on it, we bought it, and we operated it. As a partnership for a few years.
0: That was before it became Barra Vineyard.
1: That's for, and then we operated for probably seven or eight years as, as Bar on Polly, and then he wanted to build it, uh, have his own winery, so he made an offer, and I bought him out. So I ended up with the winery, and uh, we've been operating it ever since as River Valley Cellars. And this year, we've crushed uh, over almost 7,000 ton there, because we've crushed grapes for a lot of other growers,
0: too. I'm interested in your experience in having an organic winery. But before you share that with us, I want to say that in this edition of Radio Curious, we're visiting with Charlie Barra in his kitchen in Ukiah, California. And you're listening to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. Charlie, you were one of the early people in developing organic vineyards. What was your motivation?
1: Well, what's interesting about that is that my grandfather and my father grew grapes in Italy. And they never used chemicals. In all the years, they grew grapes. In Italy, they grew grapes, same varieties I'm growing here, without chemicals. So when I got into the grape business and talking to them and their recommendations we didn't listen to the chemical salesman who tried to sell us the chemicals because of the problems that was going to be caused by different kinds of diseases in the vineyard if we didn't use their chemicals I decided to listen to my, my parents and didn't buy any chemicals so for 50 years we grew grapes without chemicals and then Eventually, 22 years ago, we certified it organic because then you could do it and then you have an inspection every year, but the vineyard hasn't changed a bit. It's still the same vineyard, produces the same grapes. We don't use any chemicals in the vineyard and we don't use any fertilizers in the vineyard. We grow beans and different kinds of uh, cover crop down the rows. And then we work those cover crops into the soil, and that feeds the vines. And we don't have to use any commercial fertilizers.
0: So what do the chemicals do to the wine, to the grapes and well, thus the I'm wine? Well, I'm not
1: so concerned about what they did to the wine, uh, wine. I'm more concerned about what chemicals do to the environment. All of, all of the uh, animals and the foxes and the uh, raccoons and all, all of those things that have to live out there with the chemicals. I just didn't believe we needed chemicals, so why should I ever buy them?
0: And what do the chemicals do uh, to the, the vines?
1: It will protect them from some of the, the uh, insects that get on the vines. But we have some insects in the vineyard, I don't say we don't, but they don't, they're not harmful. And then you have, in a vineyard, you have uh, insects that are damaging to a vine, but you have a lot of beneficial insects. And when you use chemicals, you kill the beneficial insects also. So you lose the balance in the vineyard that you're really looking for. And without using chemicals, you have a balance out there which takes care of
0: itself. Is it a fair assumption that your concern about protecting the the critters is more from your family tradition than from... uh, Perhaps the idea that was prevalent beginning in the 90s and, and somewhat before, and to this time, about eating organic food?
1: Well, I've never really entered my mind too much. It's just that I didn't think the chemicals that were being used or being recommended and what the industry's using is good for the environment. And I'm the kind of person that believes in the environment, so I just didn't use them.
0: Fairly fundamental.
1: Yes. Very fundamental.
0: Charlie Barra, at some point you were involved in Mendocino County government. You held elective office. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, I was on the uh, Mendocino County Planning Commission for many years and uh, we had a vacancy on the Mendocino County Board of Supervisors. John Mayfield went to work for the governor in Sacramento and had a job and. There was a vacancy, and he came out and said that they wanted me to take his place on the Board of Supervisors. And I really didn't want to go into politics. I thought that I'd be better off just staying with the commission and and farming, because the Board of Supervisors was going to take a lot of my time. And so I, I said that I didn't care to have it, and they convinced me I should have it. And then I realized that I was a registered Democrat, and the governor
0: who made the
1: appointments was a Republican.
0: What year was this?
1: This was uh, late 60s, 68, 69. When I thought about him being a Republican and I was a Democrat, I said, well, there's no chance of being appointed, so tell him you'll do it. So I said I would do it.
0: And we're talking about Ronald Reagan.
1: Ronald Reagan was the governor. And he was a Republican. So I said I would do it, knowing that I wouldn't have any chance of getting it done. And I felt pretty good about that, except two weeks later, I got notice I was appointed to the Board of Supervisors <laughs> by the governor. So I had to serve the term out. And so Mr. Reagan came to Ukiah to talk about Covelo and the reservoir up there. and I went over and introduced myself. I put my hand out and told him who I was. He pointed his finger out and he said, I remember you, you're that Democrat I appointed. <laughs> he hadn't forgot, he appointed a Democrat.
0: Was that when he gave his
1: speech about redwood trees? That's right, redwood trees and a dam up in Covelo and
0: different things like that. Do you remember his comment about redwood trees? No, not exactly. I think it was if you've seen, them, seen one, you've seen them all? Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Charlie Barra, let's go back to winemaking. Can you share with us the process of making wine, starting with the harvested grape?
1: Well, the first process is the fruit. You should be able to grow fruit that's nice and clean, uh, doesn't have any uh, mold in it, keep the leaves and all the trash out of the fruit, so when the fruit gets to the winery, the berries are taken off the stem and then fermented, so that you don't get any adverse taste. And that's the first step. Of course the climate that you grow the grapes in is very important. And Mendocino County has a unique climate where it has very hot days and very cold nights and that produces the sugar and the acids that are necessary to produce a good wine. So we have all of the ingredients here to produce grapes that produce good wine and we do produce some pretty good wine. And then after that Then it's up to the winemaker to guide the the juice, the fruit and the juice, through the winery, through different processes that he uses. And those are his own processes. The one thing I don't do is tell a winemaker how to make wine. And he tells me how to grow grapes, but he's never grown a grapevine in his life. So I have to listen to the winemaker.
0: Do you follow his direction?
1: Absolutely. In a vineyard, I, I follow my own direction. At the winery, he, whatever he tells me to do, I, I do.
0: What's the extent of your hands-on work in the vineyard?
1: Well, mostly supervision. I don't drive tractor anymore. You know, when I was 15 to 20 years old, I'd a tractor 10 hours a day.
0: What's your role in the harvest? Well, it's mostly just supervision. So you're out there uh, in the testing,
1: field? Testing varieties out in the vineyard to make sure they're ready to harvest. Like if the Cabernet is 21 sugar, we test it every two or three days till it gets to 23 or 24, and then we pick it.
0: How do you conduct the test?
1: The test, we have a small reactometer that you hold in your hand, and you just squeeze a few berries onto that, and that tells you what the sugars are like.
0: The, the juice of the berries. The
1: juice of the berries will tell you what the sugar of that bunch of grapes is. And when you're testing for wine, then you pick a whole bucket full of grapes. And then you smash that, and you test that, and when it gets up to 23, 23 and a half, then you're ready to pay.
0: What's the difference between 21 or 22 and 26? Just a
1: sweetness. The a sweetness in the grape itself, the sugar level in the grape itself.
0: It's the 23 that you feel brings the maximum well, flavor. That,
1: that brings the alcohol. Uh, see, the sugar converts to alcohol, too. And when you get too much sugar, then you get too much alcohol, and that's not good for,
0: for wine. Is the level of 23 consistent in the, all the different varietals?
1: No, they use different sugar for different varietals. They might take a Muscat and pick it at 21 because they want a certain taste out of it. Uh, Pinot Noir, they pick 24. So they have their own sugars to, for making wine.
0: Well, Charlie Barra, I've known you for 35, 40 years. We've been neighbors for most of that time. And I've always known you to be a storyteller. (laughs) Are there any stories or unique circumstances of your experience here in the Ukiah Valley that you'd like to share with us?
1: Well, the one story that I can remember now is when uh, the University of California came over and I was going to plant 150 acres of vineyard in Redwood Valley and they recommended the rootstock that I'd use for the vineyard. They were selling a, a rootstock that had a title of AXR1 and you plant that and then you graft a domestic variety of your choice Cabernet or Chardonnay or Pinot onto that rootstock and you grow that variety And the rootstock protects you from any phylloxera or any other diseases. Well, my family grew grapes in Europe, and they had phylloxera over there. And that's our primary disease here, is phylloxera. And they always planted what they call St. George. And the St. George rootstock came from America and went to Italy and Europe, Germany. So they always used that rootstock. So I decided to listen to my parents and plant the St. George Rootstock. And the university said, I'm making a big mistake because that rootstock is too vigorous. And so I said, that's okay. So And I had realized that they had never planted a vineyard. They just were making recommendations. And my granddad and my dad had planted lots of vineyards. So I went and told my dad, granddad, <clears throat> the university said that St. George Roostock is too vigorous for grapes. He said, uh, yeah, it reminds me of the fellow that had a racehorse. He said, that's a hell of a horse that just runs too fast. <laughs> so I planted St. George and some of my vines are over 50 years old.
0: And what are the varietals of those vines?
1: Varietals, the oldest ones, the Cabernet, 40-year-old Pinot Noir, and 40-year-old Chardonnay. I have a lot of 40-year-old vines, and they're all doing fine.
0: So as the proprietor of the Bar of Vineyards and the Bar Wine Label, how much wine do you drink a day?
1: I, I drink very little wine a day.
0: You've given Unless up?
1: we have company, we hardly ever open a bottle of wine.
0: Has it always been that way?
1: Yeah, it's, well, I drank more than I do now when I was younger. But I take some medicine now, and you're not supposed to put too much alcohol with it, so some pills. So anyway, I drink it but, and taste it, and we give a lot of it away.
0: Well, Charlie Barra, I want to thank you very much for joining us on Radio Curious. And before we close, I'd like to ask some questions of a well-known, self-made man here in the Ukiah Valley in Mendocino County. And one of them is about a eureka or an aha moment in your life where you learned something or somebody said something that all of a sudden the light went on and changed your point of view.
1: Well, that happened with frost protection. In the 40s, 50s, 60s, no, until 40s and 50s. We were using uh, wind machines. I had 10 wind machines and 5,000... Uh, orchard heaters that burn oil and made a lot of smoke, which I didn't like. I read an article in National Geographic that in Israel they were protecting vegetables with sprinkler systems, sprinkling water over the top of them and icing the, 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 the vegetable and protecting them from frost. Well, I read the article and put it down and didn't believe it. But thinking about it, if it was going on, I'd want to know more about it. So I went to my contractor, and we had an engineer from Israel come over. He had an engineer come over, and we talked about it, and I still didn't believe it. Because uh, putting water on a vine to protect it from frost didn't, didn't make sense. So we did five-acre tests, plots. And some of the neighbors heard about it, so they came by, pat me on the shoulder, and told me I must believe in miracles. (laughs) Because as the weather went down to 28 that morning, the ice formed on the vines. And I had icicles on all the vines, the whole five acres. And the rest of it was being protected with wind machines. Well, when the ice melted, the vines were nice and green. And I became convinced that it worked. Finally convinced me. So I called Yakima, Washington to a broker up there and sold all my wind machines and heaters to Yakima, the apple growers. And they hauled them off and I converted the vineyards to sprinklers. Now I had to have a big loan to do this. I had to build reservoirs to, to hold the water. I have five reservoirs. And uh, during the rain, they fill up, and then I use that for frost protection and irrigation. Now, the interesting thing about reservoirs is the government doesn't know where it's going to get its water. And I have five reservoirs, and I spent less than $100,000 to build the reservoirs. And in the 50 years, I saved $2 million in water costs. If you build the reservoir where the rains, It doesn't cost you anything to build the reservoir. They're completely free. You sell the bonds, the water fills the reservoir. You use the water, it pays for the bonds. The reservoir is free. And the government doesn't know that.
0: Well, Charlie Barra, what would you like to do with the remainder of your One Precious Life?
1: Well, I'd like to have as much time off as I have. I watch a lot of uh, ball games on television, and we take small trips around, and I hope my legs get a little better. From, I had some shots in the back, and as soon as I get along a little better, we'll take a trip somewhere.
0: And finally, is there a book or a movie that you could recommend to our listeners? There's not. No.
1: I really never read any books on what I do or, or watched a movie than what I do.
0: Well, Charlie Barra, thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. Let me give you a bottle of wine. Charlie Barra is the founder of Barra of Mendocino Organic Wines, located in Redwood Valley, California. His website is barraofmendocino.com. Over 400 Radio Curious programs may be found on our website, radiocurious.org. They're free as my gift to you. I hope you enjoy them. Our address is 280 North Oak Street, Ukiah, UKIAH, California, 95482. The phone is seven zero seven four six two six five four one, and email is curious at radiocurious.org. Christina Onestead is our assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.